everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. If you are looking for a book that will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and all at the same time, look no further. In his latest must-read, Unlikely Fighter, the story of how a fatherless street kid overcame violence, chaos, and confusion to become a radical Christ follower, internationally renowned evangelist, author, speaker, former pastor, church planter, youth leader, and now founder of Dare to Share Ministries.org shares the story you haven't heard, and in a way that every teen, tween, adult, and in-between can relate. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a great joy and honor evangelist Greg Steer. Evangelist Steer, Greg, sir, welcome to Testimony. Thanks, Jensine. So glad to be a part of the show. Well, it's great to have you. Before we begin, I need to give a shout out to Chairman of the LOV Lighthouses of the Valley Movement, who is also founder and senior pastor of Church 212, Mike Harrison, who brought your story to my attention. And thankfully so, listeners, please go to lovmovement.com to learn more and catch the next great event where Greg Steer and his Dare to Share team will be sharing, teaching and training, including his upcoming event to be held at Church 212, November 19th, 2022. You will be blessed and equipped that you did. That said, Pastor Greg, let's get right to it in your book, Unlikely Fighter, and you've written 22 other books before this, you recount the chaos, fear, violence, and fists that raged in your home, as well as your hometown of Denver riddled with racial tensions, territories, gang-ridden streets that could be brutal, but no match for your bodybuilding, head-busting, bat-wielding brothers who were tougher still, you were afraid of them. And even your, quote, ma of blessed memory, as you would call her, could wield a bat and fight with the best of them. But all that would change, Greg, one glorious day. And as a result, change the lives of every single family member, a neighborhood, and eventually a nation. For Jesus Christ, Greg Steer, please tell us that story. Yeah, Jensen, it was a it was pretty crazy being raised in this family. Um, three of my uncles were competitive bodybuilders. The fourth one was a bouncer at the toughest bar in Denver. The fifth one was a Golden Gloves boxer, judo champion, and war hero. Uh, the Denver Mafia, the Small Dones. I nicknamed my uncles the crazy brothers. So when the mafia thinks your family is dysfunctional, it's not a good sign. And my family was 
not organized crime, but disorganized crime. I just a lot of, they just love to fight and in and out of jail. A lot of my uncles just had a lot of struggles. My mom was the only female in the group and they were all afraid of her. And uh, I was just this terrified little kid in North Denver. You know, every city's got a city within the city. Every city's got a bad part of town. I was raised in the highest crime rate area of Denver. And uh, just a lot of violence in and around the family, a lot of active gangs. Uh, where I was raised was uh, called Little Italy, but also at the same time, uh, we were in a part of the country where it was considered the center of the American Chicano Revolution in North Denver. And we were right between the racial tensions between the Italians and the Latinos. And uh, my family loved every minute of it. They were extremely violent. I think of my Uncle Jack, who had big lamb chop sideburns, tattoos everywhere, uh, spent a lot of his adult life in jail. Uh, he went to prison once for choking two cops unconscious at the same time who were trying to arrest him on assault charges. I think of my Uncle Bob. My Uncle Bob got in a ballroom brawl with a guy that stabbed his best friend, Doug Johnson, like five or six times, and then stabbed his other friend, Mike, right in the stomach. And my uncle just flipped the switch. My uncle's 6'3", 250. He beat this guy literally to death. Uh, the guy's heart stopped beating. Wow. Uh, the cops came in. He beat the cops up. They arrested him. They threw him in the back of the squad car. They had to take his boots off because they were covered in blood. And that's when he saw the EMTs trying to resuscitate the guy that get beaten to death. He didn't realize beaten him to death. And right there in the back of the squad car, he knew he was going to go to jail for the rest of his life. And so my family was a very dangerous family, very angry family, very tough family uh, that was very far from God. But then one day, like you said, everything changed. And uh, there was this hillbilly preacher whose nickname was Yankee. Now, he was from the Deep South, but for whatever reason, his nickname was Yankee, and he planted a church in the suburbs of Denver, and on a dare from a guy named Bob Daly, Bob Daly was a Christian that went to Yankee's church. Bob Daly actually knew my family, but he was too afraid to share the gospel with them, so he dared Yankee, and Yankee was fearless so on a Saturday morning, he went to my Uncle Jack's house and knocked on his door. My Uncle Jack came to the door, no shirt on, tattoos everywhere. My Uncle Jack talked like this. He said, what do you want? Uh, he had uh, two beer cans in his hand, one for drinking beer, one for spit and chew. He didn't want to get those mixed up. He goes, what do you want? And Yankee said, I'm here on a dare from Bob Daly to tell you about Jesus. And my Uncle Jack said, well, I don't know Jesus. I know Bob. I'll give you five minutes. <laughs> invited him in and he explained not religion but a relationship with god that jesus came to die for sinners that jesus paid the price for his sin on the cross that jesus rose from the dead and offered him eternal life if he simply put his faith in jesus in that moment and and he said does that make sense and my uncle jack didn't know any better he said hell yeah that was a sinner's prayer was hell yeah <laughs> and he trusted in jesus and that's when the dominoes begin to fall in my family. It was awesome to watch. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to evangelist Greg Steer, his latest must-read, Unlikely Fighter. Greg, I have to say I absolutely loved your book, could not put it down, read every page. As I said earlier, I laughed, I cried, and with you, um, in your turmoil as a child growing up. 
you talk about a time when a family member that you looked up to Mm -hmm. on Christmas handed you a present, and that present would forever change the trajectory of your life. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, and I was not a tough kid. I have to qualify all this. I was like young Sheldon in the hood, just this nerdy little kid that did not fit into my family at all. Um, I I didn't know who my dad was. My mom uh, had been married several times. And here I am, you know, in this macho family full of bodybuilders. My cousins were bodybuilders. My aunts and uncles are bodybuilders. They're all street fighters. And I was not that. I didn't fit in. And I knew that they knew I didn't fit in. I could hear them whispering about me at times. This one Christmas morning, uh, when I was six years old, it was at my grandparents' house. My uncles are there. My aunts are there. My cousins are there. My family's there. They're a big, big family. Everybody's opening their presents. And then it's right, you know, we're wrapping up. It's time for lunch. And my uncle Dave was a man's man. He was a judo champion. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. He was a war hero. Uh, He uh, got 40 medals and commendations in one tour of duty uh, in Vietnam. He's got five bullet holes uh, and a five-inch bayonet scar in his body. He not only survived that bayonet scar, he killed the guy that gave it to him. I mean, this guy is a man's man. And so he carries a vial of shrapnel with him everywhere he goes, the shrapnel that was taken out of his body. And whenever he talks to somebody who doesn't love America, he takes it out and starts shaking it back and forth like a maraca and says, <laughs> this is the sound of the price of your freedom. And so he's a tough guy, yeah. right? So right. he's there and he's, you know, he says, wait, before we all go to lunch, now this is that Christmas day when I'm six years old, he goes, I have one more present. It's for little Greg. And everybody was surprised because nobody ever noticed me, let alone called me out like that. And so I walked across the room for the first time with a sense of swagger, like six-year-old swagger, like, man, I've been noticed. He's calling me out. He's going to give me some really cool present. And I, I take it and I open it up in front of everyone. And it's a girl's doll. And I thought it was a mistake. I go, it's a girl's doll. And he goes, yeah, I figured you don't have a dad. You like to play with dolls like a little girl. Yeah. And I remember in that moment, I was crushed and I was enraged. It's the first time I remember being enraged. I shoved it in the stomach. I go, I ain't no girl. And I walked away. And all my uncles were like, you see the temper on him? Maybe he's one of us after all. Maybe he's going to survive the hood. Well, for me, it sent me into a spiral. And it sent me into a search for my identity because I was like, who am I? How did I get in this family? Why am I here on this planet? So from the time I was six, I started studying the Bible with a flashlight underneath the kitchen sink, really trying to find who is God? Who am I? What is the answer to life? Because I was already at the age of six, fully traumatized, fully traumatized by that. Well, no doubt, no doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Evangelist Greg Steer, his latest riveting read, Unlikely Fighter. Greg, you recount that you never met your biological father. You were afraid of your own family. You almost died three times in two years, and really a fourth, when you found out later that you were almost aborted. 
Talk mm-hmm. about the significance of learning that at a very young age and what eventually happened to help you forgive, including your mother, and then the grace you would extend when you learned even more. Yeah, you know, when I was 12 years old, my grandmother set me down and she said, I want to tell you the full story of how you came to be. And I'm like, okay. She said, you know, your mom met your biological father named Tony at a party. They partied. She got pregnant. He found out he got transferred 2,000 miles away. He was in the Army. And um, she said she did not, your mom did not want uh, us to know as her parents that she was pregnant again. So she got in the car and she drove from Denver to Boston to stay with your Uncle Don, Tommy and Aunt Carol. But the real reason she was going there was to have an abortion. This is before Roe v. Wade, so it was an illegal abortion. She wanted to get away from Denver, get away from Grandma and Grandpa, and go have a secret abortion, an illegal abortion. But Tommy and Carol were believers in Christ at this time, and they actually talked Shirley, my mom, out of it. So she came back after a couple months, and she had you. And she never told you this, but I want you to know as your grandmother, I know the full story. Your mom almost aborted you. So the reason that she cries when she looks at you, oftentimes she breaks out in tears is because she feels guilt and shame. So I knew from that moment. Now, my mom, to the day that she died, never knew that I knew that she almost aborted me. because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't bring it up with her because I didn't want to shame her. But when I was 12, that's when I found out that my mom almost aborted me. When I was 12, that's when I really learned how to share the gospel. Yankee, Trey, and us as youth teenagers how to share Christ. So the first person on my heart was my mom. So for three years, I shared the gospel with Ma. For three years, she said, you don't know the things I've done wrong. God would never forgive me. Well, I knew everything because Grandma told me everything. Yeah. But I kept going at it, kept going at it. I'll never forget the day. I shared the gospel with her, and she put her faith in Christ while smoking a cigarette. She said, <laughs> I'm in. She finally got it. She put her faith in Christ, and for the first time in, our, in her life, she felt the forgiveness of God. She felt the grace and mercy of God, and I was privileged to lead my own mom to Christ and disciple her when I was 15 years of age. It was also when I was 15 that I went to an event, and I heard a man preach on forgiving your biological fathers. And up to that point, I had held bitterness from the time my grandma had told me the whole story. I had held bitterness in my heart toward my biological father. It was at that event where I said out loud in the midst of 5,000 other teenagers, Father, I forgive you. Even though I'd never met him, I had hated him, and I forgave him in that moment. I had to forgive him a thousand times after, but the first time was the hardest. And so I was, I was in a sense set free from bitterness toward my biological father. My mom was set free from the power of sin and death, all through the grace of God. Amen and amen. That is so wonderful. The grace you extended, the forgiveness you received, and you recount in your book, Greg Steer, of Unlikely Fighter, uh, phenomenal how God has had his hand on you uh, all this time. Just need, there was some goofy stuff in that, 
you know, event, like some stuff. Now I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I agree theologically with all this. But that one truth of forgiving your dad, uh, because God forgave you, you can forgive your father. That thing, that truth just reached up out of that event and just grabbed me by the heart. And I'm so grateful I was there that day. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Greg Steer, author of Unlikely Fighter. Greg, I want to segue to your ministry and what you are doing today in Dare to Share. Uh, .org. Earlier in your book, you talk about, quote, flipping off the devil, end quote. And you <laughs> literally did that as a young believer. How would you suggest we, quote, flip off the devil, spiritually speaking? And what role does the Holy Spirit play and played in your life in doing just that? Yeah, and it sounds, give a little context to that, because uh, when I was in third grade and I got saved, I understood the gospel, I figured, you know what, you can't flip anybody else off, I might as well flip the devil off, and I remember <laughs> walking down the hallways of Brown Elementary School, public school with both middle fingers pointed straight down, thinking, I'm flipping you off, devil, you know, I'm going to flip you off with the rest of my life, I'm going to reach as many people as I can for Christ. And I remember a teacher stopping me and said, what are you doing? And I looked up and I go, I'm flipping off the devil. What do you think I'm doing? I just kept walking. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I loved <laughs> Such it. a weird kid. I know. Well, I loved it in your family. Uh, I loved it in your book when you said when your family was in, they were all in. And when they eventually yeah. all came to the gospel, thanks to you, the, quote, unlikely fighter, they were all in for Christ as well. And I would encourage listeners, uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Evangelist Greg Steer to pick up a copy of his phenomenal book, his true life story. Uh, you will be blessed uh, that you did. And then give it to your team, give it to a friend, give it to someone searching for answers today. Next question. How are you reaching the youth of today facing gender dysphoria, fatherless homes, drug-addicted and poverty-stricken circumstances. And when you reach them for Christ, Greg, what tools are they given to, quote, fight the good fight when many have walked away from church, become atheists or nothing at all, and less than 4% statistically have a clue about biblical values and instead are being groomed on critical race theory in our classrooms today, which teaches racial division. Your thoughts? Well, I think the answer is, yeah, this generation is far from God. Gen Z is the first post-Christian generation in the history of the United States. The trajectory of rejection of the historic Christian faith in the United States is skyrocketing, and our current approach is not closing the gap. And so, I think it's time to start playing defense. I think it's time to start playing offense. And how do you do that? You give teenagers um, a king, a cause, and a crew. You give them King Jesus when he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So kids want somebody to follow. Give them Christ as that leader of their life to follow. Give them a cause. What did Jesus say? Go and make disciples of all nations. So at Dare to Share, we train, equip, and we mobilize teenagers to share the gospel. Uh, every year we do uh, an event, a free simulcast called Dare to Share Live, where over a thousand churches from across the nation are simultaneously trained, equipped, and mobilized 
teenagers go out and they share the gospel with friends and with strangers, and then they can multiply disciples. And they're equipped to share the gospel all year round at their school. And so we have curriculum, we have tools, we have resources to help them do that. And then chaining a cause and a crew. We do this together as a youth group. We do this together as part of the way that we roll in our youth ministry. And so I really think that the answer is getting our kids on mission, getting them sharing the gospel of Christ on their campus. You know, uh, a teenager that goes to a public school, uh, it does face a lot of dangers, right? It faces a lot of bad theology, bad philosophy. But in another sense, they're also a federally funded missionary. In other words, they can, for eight hours a day, they can build relationships and share Christ and share the gospel and pray for revival and unite with other Christian kids to reach every team everywhere on that campus. So at Dare to Share, we provide apps. We have a free faith-sharing app called Life in Six Words. It's free on your app store. We provide a free training called Dare to Share Live that happens every November. November 12th is happening this year where students are mobilized for the gospel simultaneously. Uh, we have a free curriculum for youth leaders to use and parents to use with their kids that will equip them to share the gospel. Uh, I think it's time to stop playing defense. It's time to start playing offense. It's time to mobilize a generation to reach their own generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Along the way, they're going to learn how to depend on the Holy Spirit. They're going to learn how to trust in Him. They're going to see God do amazing, miraculous things in their lives and in the lives of their friends because they're going to be on mission with Jesus to reach their friends for Christ. And so that's our goal across the United States and around the world. That app is in 16 different languages. We're adding more constantly, and we want every teen everywhere to hear the good news of the gospel from a friend. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Steer, his latest great read, Unlikely Fighter, his ministry, dare to share.org. Greg, you founded Dare to Share Ministries after the horrific Columbine school shootings. At that time, you were pastoring and church planting. You laid all that down to focus on the youth. Tell us about that and how long you've been doing, what you've been doing, and the results to date. Yeah, you know, I was I was pastoring a church. I had actually started Dare to Share on the side in 1991, so I was kind of pastoring and doing Dare to Share on the side. I was planning on doing both for the rest of my life because I love the local church, and I love my local church, and I was able to plant with my good friend Rick Long. And the church grew, and Dare to Share was growing, and, and I thought everything was fine. But on April 20th, 1999, the Columbine High School shooting took place. I knew a lot of the kids at Columbine High School. Uh, the mm. two shooters went in and, and killed 12 students, um, a teacher, and then turned the guns on themselves. And it just got me. My, my wife's a public school teacher in the same district. Mm. Um and I just, I, I felt a call from God. I need to resign from being a pastor, dare to share full time. And since then, we've been privileged to train millions of teens to be ambassadors of hope on their campus, in their communities, to sit at a different cafeteria table, to sit with a kid that, that is a loner who feels like a loser and show them the love of God and share with them the message of Christ. And so across the nation and around the world, we're seeing God raise up this generation uh, to reach Gen Z with the gospel, to reach their own generation with the hope of Christ. Amen and amen. Now, we may not have time for you to fully answer my last question here in our remaining moments. 
One-third of Jesus' ministry was casting out devils. And truly, as we can see in our world today, the demonic is in full swing and in a variety of ways. That said, what role has deliverance played in your own ministry to youth needing more than a good sermon, loving fellowship, but are in fact suicidal, cutting, drug-addicted, and rehabs are not doing the job of redeeming? Your thoughts? Well, you know, Jesus said, you know, no one... No one can take the the strong man's possessions unless they bind the strong man first, right? And then they can raid his possessions. Jesus is talking about demon possession there. Jesus is the one. The Holy Spirit is the one that binds the strong man mm-hmm. and and redeems the soul. And so, how do you get Jesus uh, to do that? I mean, how do you unleash the power of, of Christ? to deliver somebody from the demon. And I, it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, dwells inside of a person. Uh, he kicks out all demonic presences. So we have seen students uh, do see major deliverance take place by sharing, praying for their friends that don't know Christ and sharing the gospel. Uh, when that happens, that the strong man is bound and, you know, that, that soul is redeemed and transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we tell the kids, man, get filled with the Spirit. You're in a battle with Satan for the souls of your friends. But when Christ takes control through his Holy Spirit, the life of a person, their soul is redeemed, then all demonic presences are kicked out. And the victory is won through Christ. So, yeah, you mobilize teens to share the gospel. You mobilize teens to deliver. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally recognized evangelist, author, speaker, and founder of Dare to Share Ministries, Greg Steer, in his latest must-read, Unlikely Fighter. You can learn more about Greg Steer's work, ministry, and mission by visiting daretoshare.org and get his book, support his work, and be a part of reaching Teens for Christ locally, regionally, nationally, and yes, globally too, with the tremendous tried and true tools of Dare to Share, you will be blessed and given great hope that you did. Pastor Greg, what an absolute joy having you share just a little of your amazing and hard-fought, literally, overcoming story of hope you found in in Jesus Christ against all odds and the mercy, forgiveness, and grace you would extend because you did not only to your family, but millions more besides these past 30 plus years through your Dare to Share ministries and powerfully so. Yours is a story that movies are made of and should be. From a family torn apart to serving Christ, from back alley brawls to baptisms with joy, from guilt-ridden shame to freedom in Christ, from a life nearly lost and nearly four times to a life of honor, humility, and humor, your quote ma would be proud, and rightfully so, her unlikely fighter became his champion for souls. We thank you, Evangelist Greg Steer, and God bless you. Thanks, Jim. 
Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.